the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air. Good evening, all seekers. Welcome to Moving Towards Light. Tonight we talk about how reading is fundamental. We're here on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. Seekers, welcome to Moving Towards Light, in the form where we discuss and provide some hard-earned insight relating to our own exploration to the many roads and methods which promise to lead us to the ultimate answer, a higher purpose, the meaning of life. This is a dialogue between two long-lost friends representing both the yin and yang aspects of the whole, each of whom have traveled multiple areas past all across the spectrum of spirituality, from the dark side as much as the light and from the organized to the out of the way. This shows for all those frustrated in their quest who have been through various stops in the spectrum of spirituality and found them ultimately unfulfilling. During us here as we share both hard-earned lessons and thoughts on potential new directions in the quest on our journey towards light. I'm Doc Savage, and with me here is the driver of the show and the staff end of the equation, my longtime friend a decade or two removed, Jonna the Esoteric Mom. Hello, Jonna. Hello. I've got a stack of books for tonight's talk. All right. <laughs> Good. I'm glad somebody came prepared. <laughs> I can tell you what I've been reading lately. but it's <laughs> uh, So, um... Well, it's- it's a small stack. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, why don't you uh, give the listeners what you were um, what you were going for? Basically, what we had said here, and this was uh, my understanding from our dialogue back and forth, uh, is that you know those old commercials had it right. Reading is fundamental. I mean, spiritual text, the importance of literacy and critical thinking. There's a lot of things being said out there, and honestly, a lot of them are crap. So you need to know what to look for and when to pay attention amidst all the detritus on display. And more than that, you don't want to railroad yourself by working from a limited palette. You know, if you want to get anywhere or touch anything of value, you want to draw the truth from different sources, while at the same time being able to reject the misinformation and lies you'll find along the way. Uh, so, why don't you uh, delve a bit into what you were trying to get at here with that? Well, it's basically what you said. You have you have to read, but you have to read critically. I mean, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. If you read it. You can, yeah. if you are don't watch Fox News, you can you can look at it and say like, oh, this is BS. <laughs> what? That's a or um, <laughs> or this is seventy five percent BS, but there's twenty five percent that might be good, and like, hmm, or the, there's something deeper in here. So, I am not as well read as you are. <laughs> so, I have. Uh, I have a small stack of books that I kind of regularly go to, mm-hmm. um, and I'll just uh, go over some of them, basically. Now, um, I do have, like, a regular old Catholic version Bible that I, I go to every now and then. Complete with Look the at that out of the way. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I do have a book called The Complete Gospels. It has all of the... Uh, forbidden Gospels. It's got the four Gospels plus the Gospel of Thomas, Mary, Q, the Secret Gospel of Mark, and then twelve other Gospels. So I've got some music that's appropriate for that. Here it is. 
<laughs> so there you go. <laughs> then I then I've got a book called The Gnostic Scriptures. Okay. Which I my um my feeling on Gnosticism is that the reason why it never took off is because uh the mythology was just too complicated. Yes. You go from a seven day creation uh myth to a three hundred and sixty five day creation myth. I mean like <laughs> like on day two sixty three Adam's left toenail left fourth toenail was made and it's like yeah. Like True. <laughs> and they were even joking about that on, on Catholic radio. They were, they were saying like, you know, you know, you say the, you know, if you're saying the Apostles' Creed, and all of a sudden the guy next to you is like, I believe in the ion that emanated from the ultimate source. <laughs> like you're probably not doing well, the same thing. There, that's kind of the problem you get. You get that problem with a lot of philosophers and um, religions and um, cultish sort of things, like occult, uh, esoteric things, that generate from philosophical mindsets. Uh, I mean, you could take everything from theosophy to, uh, honestly, the uh, the Golden Dawn as was, um, or as is maybe. Uh, you know, you get this kind of overcomplication. They, they burrow in on this really esoteric in the bad sense, kind of like really obscure points, and they'll just kind of go on and on. It's like reading Immanuel Kant or something. Like, what the... F- Wait, hold on a second. What? Schopenhauer, what the fuck are you talking about? Hold on, now back up. Let's get back to, you know, enough of the phenomenology. Let's get back to what actually is important and what works. And, you know, just to jump ahead for a second, so I'll hold your thought. Um, I've actually spent some time recently rereading some old stuff. Uh, I reread... Uh, well, I'll get to it later, but the point is... Uh, I'm rereading some stuff about Crowley, and he. One of the things that I like so much is just like myself. He walked into this stuff, and he's like, even before they gave him a real grade, you know, they kind of just basically give him the bare initiation. He's a zero zero, the whole deal, um, or a ten zero, whatever the hell it is. Uh, and he looks and he's like, well, I know all this crap already, this basic stuff. I want to get to where I'm doing something practical. And once he got up there and started doing practical things, he's like, well, why don't we just eliminate all the schmutters here, all this like, you know, on and out and all this, you know, bullshit that you're building up, this big cascade of, uh, you know, words and crap that mean nothing, you know, pretty symbology, and let's get to the core that works. And no matter what you're talking about, that's always kind of my orientation just in life. You know, I really hate, like, you know, meetings on the job. Like, we don't need a meeting. We need to talk for three seconds. Tell me what we need to do, and let's do it. You know, let's, let's formulate a quick plan, and we're done. Don't, don't sit here for three hours complaining back and forth. Oh, wait, no, I think we should do this. Like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, get to the point. Everybody's so busy, like, doing CYA and job protection or whatever. They have no idea of, like, okay, let's just go and solve the problem and move on. So yeah, that that uh, when you talk about things like narcissism and all, yeah, it definitely comes out. It's like really, you just you can get so lost in all the useless, colorful, um, what do you want to call it, uh, linguistics uh, perambulations <laughs> that really go nowhere. You walk yourself and talk yourself in a circle, and like, well, okay, what's where, what's in the middle of that circle? Where are we going to? Don't worry about all this. Blah, 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 blah. Forget about it. Like ceremonial magic, same thing. Drop all the bullshit. Let's get to the point. So <laughs> there you go. Back to where you're at. <laughs> yeah, so the one thing I like in the Gnostic Gospels is the thunder-perfect intellect. If if you haven't read it, I suggest that you read it. 
It's kind mm-hmm. of like an identity riddle, but it's all full of conflicting things. And it's kind of like when you read it, it's kind of like a Zen cone. You right. Kind of, it, it kind of doesn't make sense, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I get this. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. like, I always get these things at the, like, most, like, weird times. I'll be driving to some place, and I'll be like, oh, man, that's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> It is funny when you get that moment when it's suddenly it makes sense, suddenly it hits you. Um, yeah, and I'm usually driving or something, and it's like, you know, no, nobody nobody really shares my interest, so I can't be like, whoa, you know. So. Yeah, trust but, me, um, I've tried to explain some of this stuff to my wife, who is, you know, understanding of my past and my interests, but, you know, it's just like, um, and she's an intelligent person, you met her. But it's like, you know, in one ear and out the other, like, I don't know. It, it, this show even, she's like, this is the last one she wants to hear. She's like, I don't know, you two are just talking religion or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's what my husband says. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, it's some weird. And he was like with me in the hippie New Age church, you know. He was mm-hmm. even having a dream that we went to some, he was like telling me that some like, was this like some kind of cult? He's like, yeah, I had a dream we were. <laughs> Like in this thing, and we were wearing robes, and then we like drank this 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 liquid with herbs. I'm like, was it Kool Aid? Did we die? He's like, no, we didn't die. He's like, <laughs> he's like, but then we smoked a pipe. He's like, I think we were smoking pot in in my dream, and I'm like, um, and was there like some weird orgy, and they called it tantra? <laughs> he's like, no. I'm like, the hell are you dreaming <laughs> some weird ass dream <laughs> wow that's uh <laughs> it sounds like a good dream let's put that one. it's a strange one but <laughs> yeah we were meditating and i was like oh my god i gotta like find you some hippie stuff <laughs> i'm not having like life-based nightmares where you like kind of recognize afterwards okay that's what that meant i'm worried about this or that in my life or my job or my health or whatever the hell else you know i have the worst nightmares whenever i start a new job i dream about the job i I think it's like how your brain learns stuff but it's like fuck i just spent eight hours there i don't want to well, that's you do it, and, and all your mistakes are all what you should be doing, or what you should watch out for comes up again. It, dreams are interesting, but uh, you know, I, I long ago stopped taking a dream diary. It's just like, all right, enough of this already. <laughs> I've been inside myself long enough. Let's get out into the real world. Um, but you know, and it's, it's like a stage that you go through. You know, there's a point where you have to really get metacognitive and really kind of dig down. But you know, I spent too many years digging into the secrets of my own subconscious and you know, exploring my genius and all this other crap. And uh, you come to a point where it's like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> there's other people in the world besides myself. Ooh, yes, myself. Ooh. <laughs> uh, oh. Another, um, well, another author, I have a few of his things, is C.S. Lewis. Um, So my favorite book by him is one called Reflections on the Psalms. Okay. So. Yeah, Yeah, when you mentioned him last time, I figured you were talking, I don't know, screw tape letters or uh, maybe. I I have the screw tape letters and I have, um, uh, you know, we read Narnia, of course, you know. I think my, my oldest daughter did book reports on Narnia for like, you know, like six years when she changed schools, it would be like, yeah, I'm doing a book report on because <laughs> yeah, they don't know. So, um, but yeah, I have the Screw Tape Letters, 
Mere Christianity. Yes. And the my favorite so far is Reflections on the Psalms. So that one I haven't read. So that's actually the only one you named that I've never read. <laughs> Probably because it sounded so dry. I'm like, yeah, okay, Reflections on the Psalms, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I actually read it during like one of, one of the kids' ball games. Like I would I would bring books and I would either like take walks or bring books because I was such a good sports mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow, You're, it sounds like you haven't changed. You're just as good as me with sports. Like, yeah, okay, what else can I do to get past the time where you're sitting there watching the football game? <laughs> yeah, it would be like, oh, when when is when is my son gonna hit the ball? Oh, okay, I'll be I'll I'll, I'll go around then, like you know. So. <laughs> Another book I have, this is like a frou-frou-y New Age book that I got in, oh gosh, I think I got this in the 90s. Let me take a look. Let me hold the book for you. Oh no, 2000. Copyright 2000. Okay. It's called The Art of Practical Spirituality. And you think it would, like with that title, it would be like a witchcraft book, but it's actually like some New Agey book. It's by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Oh, yes. I remember her, yes. (laughs) Wow, you're really digging back. That was even before my Wicked days. Okay, what was a career profit? I'm making tea. (laughs) I'm multitasking. I'm a mom. Thank you all the time. Let me get back to stuff. So what else besides Elizabeth Clark Prophet? I just have this little one, and and um, it's got some like little mantras and things in it, like what you would expect from like a New Agey circa two thousand book, you know. Right. <laughs> but I read it every I, I read it every now and then. I do little chants. I actually another find... book. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was just thinking about when you were talking about the dates on the books. I actually find that there are windows of opportunity. Uh, I don't know if it's something going on in the ethers, some sort of spiritual thing, or if it's just something to do with you know smaller um, esoteric-leaning publishers or uh, who knows what. I always thought more of the former because there were certain periods in my life when all of a sudden the floodgates were open and you could find so much deep knowledge out there in mainstream stores. We're not talking about going to your local, you know, here's the the Coven's little bookshop or whatever the hell. Uh, and I've been to several of those of different uh, different sorts of Coven's uh, or different sorts of groups running them. Uh, but we're talking about like a mainstream bookstore sort of a thing. And you'll be able to find some crazy shit. I'm like, wow, really? And then maybe a month, three months, six months later, gone. And it's gone for years, and the stuff goes out of print, and it goes expensive. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe, I don't know, five, seven, eight years later, back again. All of a sudden, whoa, whoa, so it's open to get again. There's a whole bunch of stuff I can get that's real deep knowledge. Then it closes again, and then you've got just this, you know, superficial, new-agey stuff. I think lately uh, some of this stuff is coming back uh, and getting a little bit more prominent. So I don't know what that's saying, uh, but my – uh, biggest period of finding this stuff, of course, it was also when I was messing with a lot of stuff, was in the 90s, uh, late 80s in, in through the 90s. Very, very um, good time for finding, uh, what do you want to call it, 
uh, materials that were useful <laughs> uh, in many respects, not just you know intellectually and philosophically, but also practically. Uh, and then it didn't; it was kind of dried up for many, many years. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm not really messing with that stuff these days. But uh, just you know, looking back recently, some of the conversations we've had here, uh, there were a few things that I wanted to go back and you know revisit with older eyes. And like I had mentioned on the last show we had, I'm seeing things differently, and I'm seeing, oh wait. This is why I think this way. This is how I came to these opinions. This is how I came to be this sort of a person from X, Y, and Z. It's not all from there, obviously, but there are things that I just, you know, when you throw the baby out, do the bathwater kind of things. Like, well, okay, I threw the bathwater out, and now I'm looking back, you know, many years on, and I'm like, hmm, well, you know, there were some things in there that were of value with all the detritus, kind of like what we're talking about today. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. But yeah, I mean, definitely. When I think of uh, this kind of stuff, I think maybe uh, I'd hate to say '87, but around there, uh, and then definitely again in the early '90s, and then once again in the later '90s, and not really since. I mean, again, I wasn't really looking, but to the extent that I poked around, there wasn't much. I know when the um, there was a period when the Mary Desty uh, uh, version of the uh, gold, um, uh What's, what's the curly one with the uh, the ethers there? Vision of the Voice came out, and it had also some of his magical diaries and so on and so forth and correspondences. A lot of people don't like the uh, the uh, commentary and correspondences that she did, uh, but nonetheless, it was out for a while, and it was in mainstream bookstores. Um, now, of course, it's you know out of print, expensive, whatever else, but there are – like I said, the, the point is there's these periods where things are suddenly available and then poof, they're gone. So when there is a window like that, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you know, uh, don't uh, – I hate to say don't save your pennies, but, you know, when it's there, when strike it while the iron's hot because, you know, a couple months from that, it might all be gone again. Like it never happened. Like it was never there. Mm-hmm. So another couple of books I have, these are actually books that from – a class I took in school called Science right. of Religion. So right. the first book, uh, this is actually a fairly well-known book. It's like a scholarly book. It's called The Religions of Ban by Houston Smith. Right. So it takes like all of like, you know, the, the mainstream religions, Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, mm-hmm. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and it gives like kind of a brief overview of each one. Right. So, I wore. I read this book so much that I like wore the front cover and the back cover have fallen off. Like I'm amazed that this book is still bound. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, a great book. I have it in a paperback because I had it at, at school. But it kind of like takes like the best parts of like every religion and right. like the ideals and 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 it puts them there in an easy to read form. My other books in that class which I don't think I read like during class I've just kind of recently gone back to it is um, a book called Myths, Models, and Paradigms and it's a okay. comparative study in science and religion and it kind of t- talks about how you have myths, models, and paradigms in religion as much as in and uh, science as much as religion and right. it's a very dry book but it's it's kind of interesting, you know. The, the last couple of chapters are kind of interesting. So, but it's it's very dry. But if you want to get into um, how scientists have a faith-based system just as much as 
religious folk do. Oh, very I highly much so. recommend this book. <laughs> so very much so. We've talked about that in the past, I think. Uh yeah. science people take it as if it's fact and it's really not. I mean, yes, they're using a good method. The scientific method is uh infinitely applicable. Um it doesn't explain everything, but it is a good method for arriving at truth. Uh the trick is that People take every pronouncement from science as if it from scientists, I should say, as if it were gospel, and that is not the case. These are people that are learning and experimenting. They're kind of you know crawling their way towards truth, if you will. And a lot of stuff is basically bullshit because, especially nowadays, it's sponsored by corporate interests. You know, you have people like you know Pepsi Cola or whatever paying all these people to bury any studies saying you know the soda is bad for you and sugar gives you diabetes or whatever, and you know trying to push forward this one bizarre study that somebody found with like eleven people in you know Hungary or something that oh yes there's no problem we haven't seen any uh, results here. That's the kind of thing that goes on all the time. So therefore, what you're seeing is it's just like the media, there's a lot of bullshit. And yes, there's truth in there, but a lot of it is not what it seems. And that's actually a good lesson for life. I mean, especially if you're going to be a seeker of uh, of truth, uh, you're going to have to wade through a lot of bullshit. I mean, I will say just as a preface before we even get into it, because I'll let you keep going, but um, my experience in life has been that I've found things. I found answers. I found deep uh, hints and uh, leading me to the you know answering questions that I've had. Just coming from the craziest people, you know, people you would never expect have nothing to do with anything, from in the craziest places. I mean, you might be reading some like book that has nothing to do with anything or a magazine article, and all of a sudden, whoops, there it is thrown in there for like you know a couple paragraphs. Like, wait a minute, where the hell did that come from? How did it fit in the rest? And it does fit in the rest, and yet it's answering what you're looking for. Um, and you can find a lot of truth just by, once again, being open, being receptive. It's uh, A lot of this is about the yin aspect. A lot of this is about Taoism and uh, Jeet Kune Do, like we talk about with uh, Bruce Lee's uh, philosophy, uh, which is basically Taoism, but it's the Taoism of fighting. Um, the idea is be prepared and be receptive, and then when it comes, be prepared to pounce and act and react, you know, that kind of a thing, because uh, it's out there. I mean, and you will not necessarily find it if you're looking for it. You know, it, it's like um, truth is kind of like cats or my experience of women as a guy, uh, when you're desperately looking for one, you ain't going to find one worth a damn. And even if you do find it, you ain't one you want to find. <laughs> but if you are open and receptive, when you are not expecting it, and just all of a sudden, there she is, there it is. You know, There comes the cat, there comes the knowledge. Uh, that's really the way these things run. You can't be too much of an eager beaver. You can't really be, okay, so I'm going to look for this, I'm going to find it, because... Chances are you might find some info, but you're only going to get partway and you're going to plateau and that's it. And some people just stay there and they're happy and they go off on some tangent somewhere. But if you're really going to keep moving forward, if you're really going to keep moving towards light, you've got to adopt a different stance. You've got to kind of be prepared to some extent and be receptive and then just expect the unexpected as it were. Uh, so. um, yeah, when you find something good, you got to pounce on it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, another book I have is just a basic book on mythology because it is fascinating to read Greek 
Roman and Norse mythology and see right. how that bleeds into main mm-hmm. religions. So I have that. And then I have the uh, Bhagavad Gita. Yes. I, that, I, I, this is a very interesting poem. I love this. So, And then um, those are my main books. And then a lot of what I do, because I'm getting a little more esoteric again. So, mm-hmm. Welcome to the club. Um, <laughs> so um, th- there was a website on uh, Chaos Magic, and I, I think I read every article on that there. It hasn't been updated since, like, 2011 or something like that. But um, So I've done... I've read some of that. Now, it seems a little too dark for me. Maybe other people are in it. Um, but, you know, it maybe... It depends on how you're working things, as as always. You know, there are different schools of everything. You know, we're talking about chaos. It's, it's not... It, you know, Just the idea of it being a school is kind of antithetical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you're right, but uh, then again, you're not right. Uh, once again, it's... Um, it, well, let's leave it there. It, it's it's con- it's a bundle of contradictions. <laughs> you can find it in what yeah. you're looking for or not. <laughs> so I've 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 I have used some of it for like you know um, minor things like you know when I went back to school I did a little sickle and and you know forgot about it and mm-hmm. it seems to be working. Okay. But it's not like it's not like I don't know if it's super magical or it's just like oh I've got to study. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or just like keeping me on track. I don't know, but I'm like, hey, you know, if it helps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then, there's always that aspect of how much of this is what you're willing and how much of this is just, you know, life and what you'd be doing normally. It's like the old argument about horoscopes. And now I think those people are really talking about the stuff that's in the paper as opposed to somebody really drawing a true horoscope, you know, sign of moon signs and all the houses and the correspondences and so on and so forth, which can be a little bit more true in a basic sense. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a, a level to which you've got to say, hmm, let me call bullshit on some of this. <laughs> and another thing I've been um, trying to practice lately is actually something from, um, it's a website called GnosticTeachings.com. Okay. Yeah, the whole Gnostic mythology, um, I'm like, no. But the whole idea of Gnosis I'm into, and some of the things I get from that website, they're like, look, if you're going to meditate, like, you have to put work into it. Taking drugs is not going to, like, really get you where you need to be. Like, you just have to, exactly. like, do the work. There's That's no way around point. it. That's my so point. I'm like, I've mentioned that many times, talking about Crowley and uh, people that followed in his steps, so to speak, like, um, uh, what's his face there, Timothy Leary, for example. Uh, there are a lot of people that use that as a shortcut. And yes, you can be open to um, certain states uh, artificially in the, through those means, but you also can't necessarily control it. And it's not the sort of thing you would just want to be, uh, you know, I'm Mr. Toad's Wild Ride here. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it's uh, anything you do without discipline and training and planning to some extent can be dangerous. Um doesn't have to be, but 
Yeah, I mean, I would definitely not recommend that as a route. I know that a lot of people did it. I know Crowley swore by it for some strange reason, as one route, not as the route. Uh, but, hey, you know, that was him. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying no, I wouldn't do it. Uh, not that it doesn't work to some extent, but no. <laughs> so there you go, public service message. <laughs> and then what else do I read on this? And I'm getting back into the um, into the liturgy of hours, so that's another thing I read on my computer. I try to do it once a day or once every couple of days, depending on, you know, what's going on. Like, right. I just find that that puts me in a good mindset to, like, like just meditate or something. And, right. yes, I do read, like, some of the more gory psalms in my metal voice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you talked about that last time. I got a big kick out of that one. Uh, <laughs> I am bathing in the blood of the firstborn of the dead. Like, I don't really do a good metal voice, but it sounds good in my head. Like, I even have the guitars, like, going, da na 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 well, you know, creeping death. That was about the uh, the plague, the last plague of Moses. There, <laughs> taking the firstborns. <laughs> but, uh, that was back when Metallica was listenable, folks. Long, long time ago. Uh, <laughs> once upon a time, they were relevant. Uh, yes, uh, I know it sounds like fantasy, but hey. Um, so, just you know, I did not come uh, quote unquote prepared to this as I never do. Uh, I prefer to, um, you know, as usual, flow with the chaos, uh, go with the Tao, um, you know, think on my feet and go with what comes from the spirit as it were. Uh, but I will say you brought a few things to mind that I had not thought of for many, many years. Cause even back in childhood, I actually was planning originally on being an Egyptologist. That was one of my life goals. Um, of course, I long since gave that up, but uh, I was fascinated with Egypt uh, and Egyptian mythology. And, you know, of course, this was the whole King Tut thing was big at the time. Unfortunately, we did not get in to see the exhibit, but I was there for those huge lines on the street that wrapped around and went for hours and hours on end. Uh, and we just said, the hell with it, we're not going. And that was the end of it. I never saw it. Um, but that always fascinated me. And I found the Egyptian mythology to be freaking bizarre. I mean, you want to talk about you know the, the Greek and Roman gods and goddesses and all that, or, or even the um, the Nordic ones, how crazy all stuff is, the Indian ones, you, know, you see the things about the creators, destroyers, and whatever else. The Egyptian mythology is <laughs> it's so messed up. I mean, you've got people sleeping with their mothers and you know cutting off people's heads and you know crazy shit. Um, my favorite was a story about Set, and he was trying to go and discredit. I think it was Horace by, you know, proving that he was gay of all things. And this was uh, supposed to go and discredit him from something or other. I don't remember. It's been so many years. I was literally a child when I read this stupid story. And uh, what he did was he actually like <laughs> basically did the cinnamon and uh, beat off into some like you know grape leaves and fed him dinner. He got he got somebody to feed the dinner to Horace. He ate it and therefore it was in his stomach and then it went through his digestive tract. And they said, look, there it is, and because the, <laughs> the sperm and the guy was in there and you know this it, it got unveiled eventually. And the whole story is completely freaking ridiculous, but it stuck with me for this many years. Like, well, this is screwed up. You know, who would think of something like this and write this? And especially when these people were actually like, okay, this is our gods and we are worshiping them and these are real, you know, they're imminent and with us. And really? <laughs> they're like got more screw ups and, you know, they're, they're more messed up than people, you know. 
And you find that a lot with mythology of the old gods. Uh, they are really petty, childish, uh, juvenile, um, emotional, self-destructive. Uh, they're constantly warring with each other. It's actually ridiculous. When you look back, you think somebody actually worshipped these. I'm like, really? Okay. And, um, yeah. <laughs> what does that say about them? But, you know, Egyptian mythology was fascinating. So, therefore, I was exposed to a lot of this sort of thing rather young. Um, my mother had, I can't remember who did it at the moment. There was a famous um, uh, encyclopedia of witchcraft and demonology. And, of course, it you know gave all entries for all the, the devils and demons and whatever the hell else. And uh, little woodcuts and basically, you know, descriptions of what they did and everything. Uh, and this was stuff I was reading back in grammar school, like when I knew you. Uh, and later on, I got into different things. You know, for first off, it was uh, – well, not first off, but I I'd studied a lot of the different philosophies. And uh, I've always kind of leaned a bit uh, Tao, uh, Zen in that respect, not Zen so much in the – sense of uh let me find a cone to uh break my ego and you know become one with the old no no it was more of the um the idea of just flowing with the flow of life rather than resisting it because when i resist it i find i get nowhere fast and i'm really just burning myself out so therefore i kind of wait and assume that eventually the door will open if i am patient and still and eventually it does and then I just go with it, and then, you know. And this is kind of how I live my whole life. It actually drives my wife crazy, because uh, you know. And I know bosses. Oh, you're so. They say it's indecisive. It's not indecisive. I'm not indecisive. I'm just waiting for the opportunity, and then I make my move. But I never force things unless I really, you know, have to. Like, it's okay, it's a deadline for whatever. Okay, yeah, I do it. But uh, I'm not really the kind of like guy that's going to sit in there like I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to step on people's head. No, 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 no. Fuck that shit. <laughs> First off, we're all in this together. And secondly, I'm not interested in that. That's not the way I roll. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I had studied a lot of this sort of stuff earlier on. Um, you know, I don't want to say uh, basically just general philosophies. You know, I was uh, I, I flirted with existentialism and things like that and definitely absurdism. Uh, obviously, if anybody who's uh, seen my other website with one of the shows, uh, which is no longer really a show, but uh, my main website, I should say, uh, I have the Journal of Decadence. I'm a huge uh, devotee and uh, of the decadence from the turn of the century, uh, and in a lot of respects, I am one myself. Uh, I totally identify with that, and I'm totally there. But um, as I had moved on through various philosophies and various uh, Eastern religions and found – and some New Age stuff and found that a lot of this stuff was kind of uh, – I hate to say it because I know there's a lot of people out there that are into all these things, but to the same extent as uh, the classic religion that we grew up with and all the fundamentalist stuff, like, well, a lot of stuff is just crap. <laughs> so uh, I don't need somebody bullshitting me with another line of bullshit. I'm leaving one line of bullshit to find truth, not to find another line. Uh, oh, yeah, somebody just handed me one that sounds a little bit better and tickles my ear a little more. No, no, no. I want the truth here. Uh, so I would keep digging, and therefore, yes, I went. And uh, first off, I was involved with the Wicca. Uh, that went for a bit, uh, but it was in my teens, I guess, late teens. Uh, so I found in that period, I had a lot of books that I looked into. Some of them were almost useless. Uh, some of them were 
I even when I was reading them for the first time, I'm like, this is really childish and simple. Uh, kind of like, and we had mentioned in the past, uh, I find the Llewellyns to be somewhat like that. Very, very basic. Um, a more uh, useful variant of that, if you're going to do this kind of stuff, if you're into Wicca, uh, Bucklands is a good one to start off with if you know nothing about it. But and you know I was doing all this stuff gospel variety and all you know, whatever, but the important one that I found and that I went back and took another skim to and I was like okay yeah there's a lot of stuff in this that was you know uh, true to some extent or useful to whatever extent you're going to use it for in that area uh, was the the farers. Um I always knew it from Janet because she was younger and hot, <laughs> but uh, and of course you know they have pictures of them there doing the ceremonies, Skyclad and whatever else, so you can appreciate it. Uh, but Stewart is actually interesting because I'm still encountering him. We watch a lot of old British TV, and Stewart was actually a screenwriter, and he would pop up on strange shows. I just saw a show recently that um, what the hell was it? Uh, it was a children's show of all things. Uh, I can't remember which one it was right now. Unfortunately, if I do, I will uh, yell it out. But one of the episodes, I think it was like the second episode of the show, was written by Stuart Farrer. And sure enough, what is it about? It was about some girl who discovers, you know, sort of by accident, uh, if you want to call it an accident, that uh, she is being called to her lineage uh, to be the uh, not reincarnation, but you know, to be the uh, the student disciple or whatever of a long-deceased witch. And, of course, another one kind of knows and give her the, oh, yeah, I know you're coming to us kind of odd through the whole thing. And I was watching this. I'm like, wow, this one is really different from all the other episodes in this series. It's, and I'm listening to some of the stuff that's going on. I'm like, I think somebody here knows something. This isn't the usual, like, Hollywood bullshit. And sure enough, it wound up being written by far. Uh, so anyway, him and Janet, who was much younger, uh, had gotten together. It turns out... Uh, they did these things. There was two of them. I think it was like the Way of the Witches and something else. And it got uh, into a compendium as the Witch's Bible, or the uh, the Complete Witch as I knew it. Um, it got published a couple of times by a couple of different uh, sources. Uh, one being a uh, prominent occult bookstore in here in New York, uh, which is the way I had it. Uh, and other ones I think are publishing it even now to this day. Uh, the thing about it that was really interesting is I wasn't aware. Uh, I always figured that from all the other things I had read and whatever, that the way that I was working things was more Gardnerian, and that was my orientation. I still say that to this day. I may have said that earlier in the show. But I discovered, you know, again, fairly recently when I was, like, you know, getting back into this stuff and looking around, uh, that they were actually more Alexandrian, which what that means is um, – Instead of just Gerald Gardner's, uh, you know, basic way there, uh, we had Alex Sanders, who was kind of more magical, if you will. Uh, it was more. Uh, it's it's hard to describe without saying too much. Uh, but anyway, they wound up. That was actually who they knew. They were uh, initiated by Maxine Sanders. So therefore. Technically, even though it is still Gardner, because Alexander is not that far off from Gardner, it just adds things and subtracts a few things. You know, it's a variant. Uh, therefore, technically, it's more Alexandrian, which surprised me. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I really always thought that it was Gardnerian. But anyway, uh, again, this is going back from many years later and seeing with uh, more mature eyes, if you will. Um, after I had moved out of that, uh, I was kind of just by orientation, especially at that time, I was discussed it with people, 
uh, and I got basically what I decry a lot, the, the satanic mindset of, you know, crush the, the morons and the fleas that are in my way, you know, this kind of thing. You're not smart enough to be with me. I'm one of the elite and all this horse shit. You know, you, you can believe this crap when you're like you know, 22 and stuff, but when you grow up, you're supposed to get out of that. <laughs> you're supposed to get a little more mature and realize that's not how the world works. Uh, and then, geez, you're not quite that special. You may be special, but you're not quite that special. Uh, but at that point in my life, so therefore, uh, I was, you know, reading up Aquino, and I was reading up, uh, you know, Nicholas Schreck. I still enjoy his books to this day, especially his books on film uh, criticism and music criticism. Uh, a lot of Feral House stuff, but that was later. Um, you know, uh, obviously Anton LaVey, you know, Satanic Witch, Satanic Bible, that old stuff. Um you know, Zena uh, didn't do too much on her own, his daughter, but uh, she was obviously involved with Nicholas and still is with him. Uh, so, you know, they did some things together, obviously. Uh, I thought they got it, divorced. No, I think they're actually still together. I think they're actually still together. What she did at one point, I know, was kind of disown herself from the LeVay family and the legacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I... At last call, at least as far as I knew, they were still together. Um, but who knows? Anything's possible. So you may be right at this point. Um, again, it's not something I've followed for some time. Um, and then as I kind of got my bearings and once again ran to the limitations of the system and uh, the fallacies of it, if you will, uh, and you know, also not being a huge fan of the, uh, the forces we were dealing with there, let's put it that way, uh, you know, I kind of moved out and I started discovering deeper stuff, which was kind of in between both of those sources and further, uh, and a little bit more. Uh, let, let's put it this way: it, all the things that I had studied and put together to that point uh, were kind of synthesized and answered to some extent, not entirely, but uh, in when I learned of Crowley. Um, I always saw him as sort of the uh, grand unification theory, if you will, those of you who are scientists of uh, religions and magic. Uh, not the be-all, end-all. Certainly not. I've, obviously, I've moved on past that and learned different. But I still have a tremendous respect for the guy because, uh, especially at a time when there were so many divisions and so many clear-cut lines, he kind of was able to see through the bullshit and move past that and see, okay, well, look – this works from here, that works from there, all the stuff you really don't need. Let's trim off all the fat, which is my big thing. Uh, you know, when it comes to people, they're going to go and talk their heads off. They're going to give you all kinds of psycho babble. You really, if you really want to do stuff, you just, really, just if you want to get to the point, it's not waste your time. It's just life, period. You don't want to be dealing with, you know, reports, you know, PhDs pile higher and deeper. You know, you get people that just, Fill up pages and pages and pages without saying a goddamn thing. I actually uh, read a lot of film criticism stuff, and lately, for some reason, we have people. I guess they're millennials or something, or younger, and they are trying to do uh, criticisms on you know genre horror movies or whatever the hell. And there used to be some decent stuff. Uh, wasn't always didn't always fill in the gaps. Didn't always have all the info because these were written in the days before the internet and so on and so forth. But they were a lot more substantive. The stuff I'm seeing written nowadays, and there's a lot more of it, most of it is just crap. I, these people can't even string a sentence together, and they're going on and on and on and on. It's like, wait a minute, you spent 40 pages talking about absolutely nothing. Why am I reading this shit? 
You know, I have, I have so many of these stupid books that I was like, why did I buy this? I just throw it in the garbage. You know, is that worthless? Uh, and you find that, especially when it comes to philosophy, religion, and the occult, you will find so much useless bullshit. It's kind of like what you were talking about a few weeks back when you mentioned about uh, the uh, the home economics Girl Scout meeting version of <laughs> Wicca or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of new age. You know, Let's make a cupcake, and that will be our, my intention for sympathetic magic. Like, what? Hold on now. I mean, yeah, in a way you could, but you know, come on. <laughs> That's not the answer here. Uh, so, a lot of that is echoed in the way that he writes. Now, obviously, it is written for certain people. It's written in certain codes. Uh, you've got, once again, you're dealing with Hebrew and uh, Hebrew systems underneath, uh, you know, like the whole thing about uh, the Kabbalah and uh, the Sephirah and all this. And, of course, every letter has a, another meaning and a correspondence and a numerological meaning and so on and so forth. You know, every every letter in the Hebrew alphabet has a whole bunch of associations with it. It's not just by itself. Um, and, therefore, there's a lot of things that take a lot of understanding. And I know at the time, I some of it was like, really, this is just too coded. I don't know what the hell I was talking about there. Let me get to the part that matters. Uh, but... Looking back at it now, a lot more of it makes sense. I don't know if it's because of the remove. I don't know if it's because of the age now. Uh, and I'm seeing things. Okay, yes, some of the same things that bothered me then are still there. Uh, some of the reasons that I got out of all this shit are still there. Uh, and yes, uh, therefore, you know, I'm not going to be messing with this stuff really. But nonetheless, uh, I've gone back and read some of the some of the books that I was uh, reading at that time, which uh, I know one of them, uh, which is rather good, if you're going to be messing with the stuff, uh, Eye on the Triangle uh, by Israel Regardi. I have uh, to read that. We've yes. talked about that one. Very, very, very good. Uh, rereading that was a pleasure, and it really brought out a lot of things that I didn't even realize, not only about the guy, or I'd forgotten it, let's put it that way, uh, but the guy himself, and that through life experience and from where I've come since then and all that, I was like, oh, yeah, so we really did have a lot in common about X, Y, Z, A, B, and C and not about the other things that we never did. Um, but I've learned a lot about myself reading that book again. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I've picked up a lot more than I did the first times I'd read it. Uh, when I was perusing it for other information, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, we know that stuff, but, oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh I've gone back and reread the, the Magical Dilemma of Victor Newberg. Um, not as much stuff in there, but it does fill in a few gaps. Uh, there's a few interesting chapters in there in the middle of all this uh, schmutters about his poetry and whatever else. Um, you know, both of them are like, oh, yes, we're such great poets. Oh, please. <laughs> Neither one is a poet. <laughs> They're poets and don't know it. It's poet, like Nipsey Russell. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's another text I read. Sometimes poetry really or yes but not like there's this like um i don't know if anybody's heard of her she she's uh her name is stacy ann chin her poetry usually involves like her yelling (laughs) but (laughs) but when you listen to her and when you read it it's like it just moves me on a, on a on an emotional level. It's like I connect with it. It's like it's like the words somehow like just don't matter and it's like they paint pictures and they make you feel things. It's like very 
So that's like another thing that's kind of like spiritual to me. I think that's why I like the the liturgy of the hours because the psalms are like songs and they like speak to you on an emotional level. So, right. so yes, poetry. <laughs> so I, I read like different. You know, I'm not really into. Uh, well, no, I, I, most poems like I can I can kind of like I think it's something about the the rhyming and the um, the meter that just uh, mm-hmm. works. So, and <laughs> read some poems and see how far down the rabbit hole you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, I mean, you could do some absurdist plays and things like that and see how far the rabbit hole you, you go. I mean, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> there are, like I said, you can find things everywhere. You can find answers. You can find correspondences. You can find um, from areas you would never really expect, and that other people are looking at it and don't see a damn thing, but you'll see it. Uh, which sounds insane, but it's actually true if you are looking, if you're receptive. Um, but in terms of more practical stuff, and again, I'm not really messing with that stuff these days, but uh, I know one that was uh, helpful as a primer was uh, – there was actually one from Barnes & Noble back in the day, and it was something called Portable Darkness, and it was kind of a, a uh, compendium, if you will, of Carolian uh, texts uh, that was a little helpful, and even more so in different respects because that's where uh, the vision of the voice was for me, uh, was – Regardies gems from the equinox. Uh, again, dense text, but uh, you know the fact is it's in there, and it is you know to the extent you want to mess with that stuff, uh, it's quite illuminating. And I've mentioned some things from it in the past. Uh, it was definitely a defining text in a lot of respects. It cuts through a lot of bullshit. Um, and, you know, you've got scary things. Everybody goes to the book of the law. He didn't like that himself. Later on, he came around to saying, okay, well, I must be the, the prophet of the new millennium, and this was given to me or whatever. But, you know, it's it's a detestable book. Uh, some of the implications are just awful, uh, and some of the language is awful. But uh, when it comes to the vision of the voice, there's a lot more truth involved there. And there are there was a certain ether that I noticed when you look online. A lot of sources, and I don't mean one source. I mean several sources that I've seen that actually post the text online will deliberately omit this one and pretend it's there. Uh, and I find that disturbing in itself because in a way it's the most important one. It may very well scare you the right the hell out of this stuff. Uh and maybe that's why they hide it. <laughs> there's a lot of truth there. Uh, there's a lot of truth in a couple of them. Uh, the, uh, I've mentioned these things in the past, and I'm sure I'll mention them again, so I won't get into it here. Uh, but you know, if you're really looking for deeper truth, uh, if you will, uh, that was there for sure. I had also uh, was messing with some stuff in when I was uh, – geez, I guess it was back in the late 90s. Uh, there was a couple of books that were out from uh, Rapid Eye. Uh, Simon Dwyer, I believe, uh, put those out. Uh, really, really good stuff. I mean, some of it was touching on that whole, um, what do you want to call it? Not just Terrence McKenna, but that sort of post-apocalyptic, uh, post-millennial, uh, actually it was pre-millennial at the time, uh, disinformation culture sort of a thing. Uh but there is a lot of stuff in there, and actually uh, there is a text in there from Dick Grimston in the process that will scare the shit out of you. Uh, <laughs> no question about that. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of other things that I came up on that I'm sure I'm not even remembering, and I know that I have even more on my shelf at the moment. 
but those are probably the most uh, valuable ones I can recommend just to give you an idea of where everything is at with the areas we're talking about. Uh, and of course, you know, we go back to your, your Catholic orientation with Christianity and stuff. If you really want to learn about, you know, you get a real perspective like I have on, um, oh, at least as, as I see him, uh, on Jesus and whatever else, you, first off, yes, you do want to read the Bible. Uh, you do want to really concentrate on the New Testament and uh, revelations and things like that as opposed to the Old Testament. You know, you can learn stuff there because that's an old covenant. Uh, we're in a new covenant now. But, uh, I had mentioned at the end of the last show, uh, Ogmandino, uh, some guy named Ogmandino of all names, uh, <laughs> that's how Og means, but he did a book called uh, The Man Nobody Knows, and that is fascinating, and it will totally disabuse you of all these ridiculous Renaissance ideas of, you know, this sissy, pansy-ass Jesus <laughs> that is, you know, especially the one that they get nowadays, you know, the American Jesus, the gun-toting, step on all the, the immigrants and everybody that's weak. We don't, want, we don't want to help them poor people. Blam! I need my guns. Uh, <laughs> he's nothing like that. Uh and this would be a good guide to point you there because, again, it's referencing the original text. That's the important thing. Uh, the important thing about all these books is the extent that they reference older and uh, more uh, sublime, more revered texts, but make sense out of them and point things out. Not telling you something new necessarily, but pointing you to uh, what where to look in the text for the truth as opposed to getting lost with the schmutters again. Uh, and of course, you know, chaos, you can kind of find your own way there. But, uh, you know, like I said, Rapid Eye will be a start for you, and you will uh, be able to find some things that way, I'm sure. Uh, you know, there's people I haven't even mentioned, like Spare, uh, or, you know, John Weston Parsons. Uh, you know, anybody just wants to read about his life and about, uh, incidentally, uh, to some extent, Crowley, but especially. Um, Marjorie, uh, I forget the name, but the, the Scarlet Woman there. She showed up in Anger films and everything else. Uh, she was his uh, Scarlet Woman, if you will, uh, that he did the Babylon working with. And uh, also, tangentially, or uh, more importantly, just to kind of bring the light down on all the bullshit, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Because <laughs> that's how he made his money, by ripping off John Parsons. Uh, but, you know, it, that is, I wouldn't say that was a practical text. It's more just kind of uh, a storybook. Uh, wow, what a fucking mess this is, and art magician shitheads, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> We're really lousy to each other, that kind of thing. Uh, and you'll get that. Actually, there's a book that I'm reading right now, uh, Perturabo, which was recommended to me. And, you know, it's no eye in the triangle, but if you want to do those – I know people write historical fiction, if you will, nowadays, where they kind of butter up the facts and make it really readable and palatable. Like, it's oh, yes, this is so exciting, but you kind of wonder how much they're writing into it as opposed to what's really there. Uh, that's how this reads. It reads like one of those historical fictions. But because of that, it's very readable. Uh, and once again, you will see some things that you could put together from you know, reading that in the triangle, from reading other sources uh, that I didn't name, because I'm not going to name everything, obviously, uh, that you know, you'll know you see you know, basically how these people are kind of shitheads to each other, and this is how things work. So you you got to be careful what you mess with. Um, you know, there's a difference between seeking to find truth and messing with things that not only are dangerous to you, as uh, they put it in uh, the hammer devil rides out, you know, Simon Harris playing the most dangerous game known to man, uh, but 
uh, beyond that, you're dealing with people that are uh, ruthless and really not good people, if you will. Uh, so therefore, uh, you know, once again, I exercise caution in all things. And again, this is stuff that was left behind and which, you know, I certainly have no experience of going back to. This is more of a, oh, look how fascinating this is from, you know, however many years removed uh, with more adult eyes. Like, okay, how did this influence things and what did I – let me fill in the gaps for things that I didn't remember or didn't pick up the first time around, uh, that sort of a thing. So there you go. That's a, that's a primer for my uh, <laughs> my seeking lately. Yeah. So, yeah, mine kind of ebbs and wanes. Um, exactly. For a while, I was just like caught up in everything else, but I was like, but some this weekend, I was like, no, 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 I gotta, I gotta get back on the exercise treadmill. Yeah. Speaking of treadmills, <laughs> my husband's like, my husband's mad at me because I'm doing this show because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you're going to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> and then you've got this. He's like, when are we supposed to go to the gym? I'm like, uh, I don't know, on the weekends? Maybe in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> <Figure> it out. <laughs> it, it's tough, man. You know, normally speaking, I'm I actually, do at least, at least three shows here. So. <laughs> I know. I'm actually, um, and I, I have, like, other volunteer responsibilities that I do. And um, wow. let's see. And then, what else? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I, I need to like have some spiritual stuff before I go crazy, but yeah. or become just an empty zombie shell. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I've been there. I've been there for years. So, uh, and and like I said, in some ways, this is also just kind of seeking back to say, okay, well, who was I when I was me, <laughs> as opposed to when I became this corporate zombie and just kind of live like the material world is all there is because it certainly isn't. Uh, but you know, uh, like I said, there are limitations that I am self-imposing. So therefore, it's not as it's not the same way it was years ago uh, when I was actually doing things. This is more of just hmm. yeah. You need to just go visit CatholicsComeHome.com or dot org or whatever. <laughs> just, like be a deacon or something. <laughs> It's funny. We actually knew somebody that became one, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know what a deacon is?" I was "Yeah, glorified altar boy." And <laughs> his his face dropped. <laughs> but that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, but to get to call yourself the Reverend Mister. Well, exactly. It's like, yeah. Well, apparently that guy also went in front of the church, and I don't know what happened, but he basically went nuts, and they had to escort him out of the church in the middle of his sermon. <laughs> he was giving some, like, hellfire and brimstone sermon or something. I don't know what happened. But <laughs> usually usually in my church, like, they, they read the gospel, right. but then, like, they have to go sit down, and then the priest gets well, the homily. Like, right. So for some reason they gave it to him. I don't know. I didn't understand it in the first place. I'm like, how he really could do that? Okay, but that's the story I heard. Yeah, I, I, they, they, the priest usually gives them like, it's like this little blessing, and like one one of the priests is older, so he doesn't like shut off the mic, so I can like hear. And it's basically, uh, it's basically a blessing, like telling him like, don't fuck up while you're quoting Jesus. <laughs> so I think there's an extra like, you know. Don't screw up while you're saying the homily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more well, flowerly language like that, but you know. <laughs> you know, it, it all comes around. In, in, no matter what they say, somewhere in there, it's always there. 
uh, unless they're idiots, of course. Like I said, that uh, the one I was talking about, the magical church, there, they used to basically, you know, close the circle. They they cleansed the area. They they marched around. They said their psalms and prayers. They were praying in tongues. The whole deal, just marching around in a circle. You know, basically closing off the uh, the ritual area, if you will, the ritual space. And sure enough, it always worked, or at least nine times out of ten, it worked. Uh, that place was something else when it was working, and then later on it just kind of changed and went down the toilet. But that was a good year afterwards, uh, and you know, there's a point where I was going there twice a week. It was just uh, that powerful. I had that much of an imminent experience from that side at that point, and that was actually when I just got out of the other end. So, therefore, I was like used to the imminent experiences one way, and here was another way. So. Uh, and like I mentioned, it was the same but very different, uh, much cleaner, much more uh, burning things inside, if you will. Uh, and, and I mentioned that like a week or two back. Uh, so that's just, you know, it, it's always there whether people admit it or not. Uh, there's no such thing as just kind of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the, an intellectual faith. There's no such thing. It's always going to be some sort of a practical thing. There's always going to be an imminent thing. And whether you want to admit it or not, there's always going to be some sort of a magical operation. There's always going to be some kind of a charge. There's always going to be some sort of a, um, you know, again, cleansing, opening and closing the area, you know, a banishing ritual, if you will, uh, and the work in between. Uh, work with a capital W. Uh, and hopefully the imminence will be there, and a lot of times it isn't, but that's the aim of it. That's the whole aim of religion, faith, uh, you know, occult experience, whatever. Um, otherwise, what the hell are you doing it for? Otherwise, you might as well just you know be a banker and worry about what the stock market because what else is there? <laughs> and then you die, and then you're part of the the earth, and you rot away. You know, that, that's it. You're done. Uh, I don't believe that, and I don't think people that listen to this show believe that. Therefore, you know, let's uh, strive for something more, whatever that may be. Uh, and again, you know, where we both are at this point, uh, it is we, we urge you to aim towards the light as opposed to the darkness, despite the facts, you know, the things I've been telling you, because those are sign points uh, in my life. Uh, and again, to some extent, things I'm looking at again, just to out of curiosity, if you will. Uh, but uh, there you go. So what did you want to toss in here? <laughs> just... um Keep reading, whether it's books or the internet, or just just keep reading, and then meditate on what you read. That whole uh, lexio divino, uh, which you could apply to anything, like read on it, meditate on it, pray on it. You know, like just have a critical eye towards what you read, and and also try to see if what you read speaks to you, and see how you read, how you feel when you read it. You know. Yeah, I mean. Even like in the gospel, Jesus himself said that. It's like, you know, who, what does it profit you if you just, you know, say something or you believe something? Unless you do it, unless you are that, unless it comes into practical use, forget about it. Uh, you know, it, you have to act on what you believe. Otherwise, there's nothing there. You know, and the question is, do you really believe it? You know, is it really just some sort of a, a philosophy, if you will, or is it a active living credo, something that you do and that you are, and that comes from you from the inside, from your heart and spirit? You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know, that sort of thing. Uh and unfortunately, you know, like we said, uh, <laughs> we get that many times, uh, or sometimes directly said, there's a lot of 
rotten out there right now. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of people speaking from their heart, and all they have is fear and hate uh, and distrust and just negative emotion per se. Uh, We need to counteract that. There's more to life than being afraid of your neighbor or your job or hating your, you know, again, your neighbor or the stranger across the street or the guy in the other country or whatever it is. Uh, There's, yes, rules of thumb are a good thing to use. You don't want to be a tabula rasa and just assume that everything is completely new experience and never learn from your mistakes, if you will. Never learn from experience. But, again, you've got to kind of... You know, realize that a rule of thumb is a rule of thumb. It's not a rule. It's not a law. It's uh, just kind of like, well, okay, yeah. Usually, when it comes to X, Y, and Z, this seems to be happening. Therefore, again, applying the scientific method, we're going back to that. Uh, in these cases, this seems to be true, but it's not always true. Therefore, it's still you know a theory or a hypothesis and not a law. Uh, but you know, uh, we've got to be the change, if you will. We've got to strive for more and be more because of who we are, because of, you know, if you're seeking for something, you are trying to be more. You're trying to achieve something higher. Uh, You know, it may be something lower depending on what your orientation is, but the idea is going beyond just the human shell and the workaday experience of humanity and life to touch the divine, if you will, uh, however you may see the divine, however you may touch the divine, whatever your method may be, uh, it's an active thing. It's kind of like art, the difference between art and entertainment. Yeah, entertainment, you can just sit there and be passive and soak it all in, and it's not really entertaining because you're not really enjoying it. You're just kind of soaking it in like a sponge, you know, like a zombie, like, ugh, give me the next one, ugh. You know, like, like you're uh, stuffing yourself on high fructose corn syrup or like Doritos or something, and you just never stop. Like, okay, more, more, more. Are you hungry? you enjoy it? No, more, more. Uh, whereas art is an interactive thing. You are supposed to engage with it, and what comes out of you in response to it colors what you're seeing there, and your sharing of that experience with others is what makes this whole thing go around, what makes it important and special. Otherwise, it's just one guy's vision that nobody else sees, and it's on a wall, and it's done, or you know, on a tape, and it's done, or whatever it is, on a CD, and a, and a film, celluloid, and it's done. When you engage with art... Uh, you are effectively engaging in a magical operation. You are creating and absorbing as much. You know, you're, you're taking and giving at the same time. Uh, that's kind of the way all of this stuff is supposed to work. Um, again, whether you're talking about religion, or Christianity, or whether you're talking about or Judaism or you know whatever Hinduism, uh, if you're a Muslim, whatever. Uh, or if you are talking about some sort of a, uh, a new agey sort of a thing, or you know, a, a more esoteric thing, a Wiccan thing, a Satanist thing, God help you, uh, <laughs> having been there, uh, um, you know, a, a magical thing, whatever it is, um, you are supposed to be engaging with and acting. You know, it's, it's never just passive. There's a passive aspect. You know, and the way that I see things. That, that's why I say I tend to lean towards the yin, but and you know the passive in terms of being receptive and waiting for things to happen and just being still and then going for, you know you're receptacle as much as you are, um, you know you, you're the atame and the sword as as much as you are the chalice, if you will, uh, if you want to put it in those terms. Uh, but nonetheless, the idea is you are not 
always just receiving, and you are certainly not always just uh, stabbing and you know throwing your rod forth and you know uh, basically you know what are you going to call it sticking your penis out? Uh, it's not that. It's back and forth. There's an engagement. There's an ebb and flow. Again, Taoism. There's an ebb and flow. There's a cycling. There's that the yin and yang with that little bit of of the yin in the yang, a little bit of yang in the yin, and it all kind of is part of the one. You know, uh, you know Shakti, the creative force. I mean, uh, you look at the Indian gods and goddesses. You know, you've got the destroyers and creators, and they're the same god or goddess. Uh, you know, you've got the maleness and the femaleness. It, it, it all kind of blurs together. The idea is to act and engage and then receive and engage. It's always engagement. There's always an active principle involved. It's just sometimes the action is to be passive, to be still. Uh, but you know that's getting a little yogic, so I know I'm getting ahead of the, the subject here. Uh, so your take? Wow. He's like, he gets a deep, <laughs> and then I'm like... Sorry. I'm like, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of like the the. Well, it was funny when you said yogic because I always think of like you know yoga being something that you like go to the gym and try not to fall on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's actually well, okay. Again, we're talking about to some extent. It's not quite as bad. But to some extent, it's the same problem as the Madonna Kabbalah, or yeah, exactly. I know, I know, I do know, I do know what the true meaning of yoga is. It means to yoke yourself to, you know, a belief system, which is like kind of um, it's a it's not just that. There's like different paths that you can take to. Yeah, but you know, again, going back to Crow, do you really have to pick just one path? Going back to Bruce Lee, do you really have, just have to learn, you know, Shaolin Tiger style kung fu and that's it? You're done? No, 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 no. Wait a minute. There's a whole bunch of different disciplines out there that'll get you the same result. It's just absorb as many and what works from every one. Get rid of all the schmutters, and there you go. You've got your own system, if you will, which isn't a system. It's borrowed from here, there, 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 and there. It's just okay. Well, this works, that works, this works, that works, and all this stuff is crap, or this might work, but yeah, it's not necessary, or this one works a little better than that, so I'll use that. And then you just use it when it's needed. Again, we're getting back to the chaos thing, but the idea is um, it's not as, going back to the original thing, uh, it's not as simplistic as when people think, you know, I'm going to the gym and doing yoga. Well, yeah, you're doing yoga poses, and they may even have you do like a relaxation technique, a little bit of guided meditation to some extent just to get the stress off. Good stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it's not the same thing as what we're talking about here. It's not true yoga in a spiritual sense. It's not towards a path. It's not like, you know, Alan Bennett going off into Tibet to try to learn, you know, Buddhism uh, after leaving the Golden Dawn, if you will. Uh, th this is not the same thing. He didn't say, you know what, I, th I think I need to go and get myself in better shape because I got asthma. I'm going to go and, you know, do some yoga. Like, he'll be sitting there with, like, you know, his tights on, his little spandex in a class full of, like, yuppies or whatever. And no, 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 that's not, that's not what it is. Uh, it's much deeper and more profound than that. Uh, and it comes back to the synthesis and the basis of, you know, magic and communion and samadhi and all this crap comes out. But the bottom line is, uh, yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> yogic in that sense. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's not really a subject for tonight. Plus, I don't want to dig too deep into that stuff. But, uh, yeah, well, let's leave it there. I'm sorry I got off on that tangent when you, you brought it up somehow. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you brought it up from something I said. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows how these things work? I don't really. You know, I'm, I'm in the moment. I don't pay attention where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, it's it's the chaos. You're floating down that chaos stream. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's controlled but not controlled. You know, it's the it's the open palm technique, if you will. The the hand is open and loose, and yet you know when I hit you, it's going to hit you, and you're going to know it, <laughs> if you will. Just <laughs> use the metaphor. Uh, so uh, so what else? Uh, what else did you want to get to on the original topic, if anything? Well, let's see. You know what? Reading is fundamental. Let me let me grab one of these books and read something out of it, and see if our listeners what they um, what they can pull out of this. I'm picking okay. the most boring book too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pyramid power, by... <laughs> ah. All right, I've looked up this Myths, Models, and Paradigms. You might hear uh, Doc snoring in a couple of minutes, but <laughs> here is uh, this. I just I like to open things up to a random page and start reading. So this is page 103, and it's in the middle of the page, and it says, Paradigms Dominate Normal Science. Kuhn maintains, this is written in APA format, by the way, maintains that every scientific community is dominated by a cluster of very broad conceptual and methodological presuppositions embodied in the standard examples through which students learn the prevailing theories of the field. True. Because such examples also serve as norms of what constitutes good science. They transmit methodological and metaphysical, metaphysical assumptions along with key concepts. A paradigm such as Newton's work in mechanics implicitly defines it for a given scientific community, the types of questions that may legitimately be asked, the types of explanation that are to be sought, and the types of solutions that are acceptable. Sounds like dogma. That's that's my comment. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually thinking that this sounds just like psychology because you think about like, you know, Freud versus Jung versus, you know, Adler versus it goes on and on and on. And, you know, they all think of they're the only right way. And yet it may be a conglomerate of all of them, or it may be none of them. You know, there's truth to be found in each. And once again, you got to get rid of the schmutters, get the what works. And there you go. So go ahead. All right, here's another one. Here's the C.S. Lewis one that you said you skipped because it sounded so dry. <laughs> Just going to go to a random page. Sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey, or if that metaphor does not suit us, who do, who have not such a sweet tooth as all ancient peoples, partly because we have plenty of sugar, let us say like mountain water, like fresh air after a dungeon, like sanity after a nightmare. But once again, the best image is in the psalm, the 19th. I take this to be the greatest poem in in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the whole world. Most readers will remember its structure, six verses about nature, five about the law, and four four of personal prayer. 
the actual words apply no logical connection between the first and second movements. In this way, its technique resembles that of postmodern poetry. A modern poet would pass with similar abruptness from one theme to another and leave you to find the connecting link for yourself. True. That's actually true, and that's actually interesting, the connection you mentioned before about poetry, because that is very, very true. Um, I would never consider my work of poetry, because I have a large body of it, uh, not published for various reasons, but uh, you know, I, I don't really want how people would take it. It's kind of intense. <laughs> you know, uh, Lydia Lunch and Henry Rollins had nothing on me. I actually have um, a local uh, celebrated, you know, he actually award-winning uh, poet. I was called a poet laureate locally, and uh, he's seen some of my stuff. We've shared things, and uh, he actually dubbed me the <laughs> the bastard love child of E. E. Cummings and. Uh, uh, Henry Bukowski, <laughs> Charlie Bukowski. <laughs> so if you know Bukowski, you know what you're talking about here. Um, but therefore, you know, when I look at this stuff, it I deliberately set it up, and that's where the Cummings comes in, in such a way that you could read these things in two, three different meanings could come out of the same uh, structure, same uh, stanza, if you will, of words. Uh, based on the alignment, if you read them starting from the beginning, or if you read them starting from the beginning of the stanza, or if you read them from a different point, or you know, this, you get meanings that were totally contradictory. You get meanings that were very different, and I knew and meant all of them. So therefore, you're right about leading you. It's basically leading a horse to water, but not making him drink. Uh, you're kind of. It's the way that I talk, which actually maddens some people. Uh, I'll get you to where the question begins. And maybe give you a hint about what it might be, and then walk away. Um, which you know, I don't call myself that in any way. I'm not. I'm not saying this, but it's like a Zen master sort of a thing. It's like you. Uh, that's what they will do. They will give you uh, the question, and let you not even get the answer, but fill out the question further. Like, okay, well, what should the question be? And here's a hint. Uh, see you later. <laughs> and. You know, that's really what you're right about the fact that poetry can lead you in the same paths of metaphysics and whatever. Um, actually, you know, it was interesting with something about what you were saying when you were reading there. It reminded me of another thing that I grew up on, which uh, people today probably wouldn't even know about. Uh, there was a great time life of all things put out an encyclopedic series called Man, Myth, and Magic. I actually found it a few years ago at a flea market, uh, all but like two volumes, I think, or three volumes. Uh, and, you know, looking back at it, I was like, wow, some of this stuff is pretty intense. I mean, it reminds me of In Search Of, which was on at the time. You know, there's a lot of things, okay, they might talk about curling photography or ghosts or some shit. But then again, there's a lot of stuff in there that's like, oh, really? And they're talking about this magician, and they're talking about this philosophy, and they're talking about this, you know, magical practice, and they're talking about this, you know, spiritual whatever. And, like, there's a lot of things in there like, oh, Okay, I wasn't expecting to see that here. Uh, and they're actually pretty well uh, filled out. The entries are not juvenile. It's not like you know this cursory sort of a thing like you would expect nowadays. Um, again, the 70s were another time where this, the doors were open, and I think they were open for a long time. Uh, you know, you, you, when you find stuff that you are moved to and you see that it's of quality, you just kind of got to go for it and... Uh, know that it may not be there next time you look back. So, 
Uh, but anyway, that's never here nor there. It just came up when you were reading something there. All right. Now I'm only going to do one more because this is a good format I read and then you expound on. <laughs> <laughs> this is from my Gnostic scripture book. This is the Thunder per- Perfect Intellect. They actually had like some fashion commercial where they were like, you know, walking around with their clothes and this is being read in the background. But <laughs> aside from that, <laughs> this is the last paragraph of this. It says, Behold then its utterances and behold all the texts that have been completed. Give heed then, O listeners, and also you, O angels, and you who have been sent, and you spirits who have arisen from the dead. For it is I alone who exists, and I have no one to pass judgment upon me. For many and sweet are the species to be found in metal sins and acts of unrestraint and disgraceful passions and in temporal pleasures which peep drain until they become sober and flee up to their place of rest. And they will find me there and live and not die again. So wait a second. If I'm hearing that right, because I'm just hearing this from you, I didn't actually have this reading in front of me. Uh, is he saying uh, basically, uh, you know, the the path of excess is the palace of wisdom, as it were? You know, the William Blake sort of thing. Because <laughs> it sounds like you. Yeah, it's like in restrained sin. It's kind of, well, th- this whole poem, it's like it's it, it's all like contradictory. It has like identity riddles and then exhortations. And the right. identity riddles are like, I am the mother and the father and the second cousin twice removed. It's like really weird. So, um, and in another respect, line, it's actually, okay. Another line from this poem that I like, I, I like kind of like tell this one to my husband and kids. It says, hear me softly and learn from me harshly. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually in a respect, and this is a little superficial, but not as much as it may sound, Crowley in the fact that uh, you're basically uh, one of the ways to Zen, one of the ways of uh, getting to certain points of, uh, if, if you want to say getting past the abyss, that's not really true, but it, it's, um, let's leave it there. The idea is basically indulging yourself or pushing yourself into things you wouldn't normally do in order to make things happen, if you will, uh, to get past the ego to, um, you know, it's almost like debasement in a way to gain uh, enlightenment. It's it's sort of S&M in a way. There's a lot of spirituality in an S&M, really, in the the community there. Uh, Dark spirituality, obviously, but the idea of uh, pushing boundaries and breaking egos and letting loose things that you didn't even necessarily consciously know were there, a part of you, uh, and celebrating and letting them loose. The problem is if you stay there, and that's also a problem of letting it loose, uh, if you will. Uh, It's kind of like letting the the wolf free in man, if you will. Uh, Big thing among the black metal crowd. Uh, it's dangerous, especially if you leave it there. The idea is basically just the, the point that he was trying to make, I think, although he was kind of failed in his own life, uh, was to move forward past uh, ego, if you will, to become something more. Uh, breaking 
constraints uh, that you were because you know everybody grows up with things. Everybody's you're born with certain things. You grow up with a lot more uh, from your folks, from society, from experience, from whatever. And at some point in your life, I know I've done it consciously for many years in many ways. Uh, you've got to kind of push yourself past your comfort zone and um, explore other options, I guess. Uh, there are certain boundaries which you know a sane person will keep, and I've certainly kept all of them plus. But uh, then again, I talk to other people, and they haven't even done as much as I've done in life. You've got to kind of uh, get past your comfort zone is probably the best way to say it to get anywhere, because otherwise you're never going to grow up, in effect. Uh, that can be used in a psychological sense or in a spiritual sense. Um, if you always are the same way you were when you were a child. You know, it's even the, the, the Bible says it. It's something about, uh, what was it, when we were children, we behaved as children did, but now that we are men, we must uh, you know put away childish things. Um, that's the idea. You are supposed to move beyond. And in a lot of cases, we have to break the baggage that we bring with us, if not cut it, then certainly loosen its bonds so that they're no longer a constraint and that you can carry them with you as opposed to having them hang on you like a millstone. Uh, so those who have ears to hear, let them hear it as it were. You know, that's basically what uh, I think I th- well, that's why I think he was trying to get it, even though, like I said, he kind of failed and went overboard. Uh, and that's certainly what I've tried to do in my life. And I find that, you know, at this point in my life, like I've told a couple of people, all my hang-ups are gone, really. Yeah, I know I still have some deep ones that are, you know, I haven't quite rooted out as much as I want. But I've spent a lifetime pulling out all the weeds and uprooting trees, if you will. Uh, again, we're all talking metaphorical here. Um, but... You know, the, it's it's a valuable thing. If you can get to the point where you are free of uh, preconceptions, if you will, uh, you know, the, basically I'm talking about the things that you came up with uh, that were holding you back, and you can move forward. But again, to a positive, not license. It's not unrestraint for the sake of unrestraint. It's not just being crazy and whatever, because then you are stuck at a certain level. You know, you've basically gone insane, if you will. Uh, you know, uh, regarding and a couple other people have said basically that at a certain point there, uh, because of some yogic things and um, with the vision of the voice there at a certain point of crossing the, a certain uh, <laughs> a certain ether, let's put it that way, uh, there was a thing about uh, basically breaking your ego and uh, deliberately, you know, losing sanity, if you will. And the question is, does anybody really come back from that uh, in any real appreciable sense? So that's dangerous. Uh, again, we're talking about Kundalini kind of stuff. This is advanced business. Uh, but the idea is to retain sanity and yet, you know, again, push boundaries. Um Go outside your comfort zone. Do things that you wouldn't normally do. Experience. Go out and actively, not passively, actively find experiences, people, uh, cultural things, um, 
you know, try something you wouldn't normally do. Okay, so you're a, you know, a, a Taylor Swift fan. Well, why don't you go check out some black metal? You know, is that kind of thing, or vice versa. Uh, you know, do something you wouldn't normally do. You know, you're really into horror movies. Well, why don't you go watch a comedy with your girlfriend, or why don't you go see Beaches or some crap, or vice versa. Uh, the idea being, and that's a very simplistic way to put it, but the idea is once again just getting past this uptight bundle of you uh, and realizing that, you know, you don't have to be a set of strictures and rules. I mean, again, there are boundaries you don't want to cross. There are lines you don't want to – you may not be able to come back from. Don't go to those. We're seeing too many people do that nowadays in the news. They're all cracking. That's not the idea. The idea is – to advance, the rising advancement of the spirit, if you will, the Shang-Chi. Um, you want to, and yes, that's a comic book reference, but it applies. <laughs> um, so again, so you can pull things from everywhere. No matter how stupid the thing is, you can find truth in it. Um, you know, we're talking about Doug Munch and the comic book series in the 70s there. <laughs> but still, a lot of truth to be found there. Um, it was actually a very philosophical one. But just like Doctor Strange was in the comic book, you can find a lot of interesting things in there. A lot of it's bullshit. But if you go back to the 70s, yeah, you know, there's some stuff that was interesting, especially under Steve Englehart, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, definitely touching on things, at least very loosely. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is you're trying to move towards light, and that implies an active move. Uh, you can't force things, like I said before, uh, or at least forcing things will come to no avail, or very little avail. You'll plateau. But you're, the idea is to keep moving and transcending into spirit, as it were. You want to be more than just this bundle of ego, nerves, and neuroses, if you will, that you have become through the course of your life. You want to be something more. You want to, um, again, union with the divine. I mean, you, you, we are butter. We, we are supposed to be butterflies, but right now we are barely caterpillars. We're a chrysalis. Uh, the idea is to, you know, basically, you're the caterpillar. Enter that chrysalis, build it, and then transcend beyond. And it looks like we've lost Jana. Uh, so hopefully she'll be back in a moment. Uh, but that's basically the idea. We are supposed to be becoming butterflies. We're supposed to be becoming more. So I'm going to go to a quick break, and hopefully she will call back. And uh, if we can't get her back in a reasonable amount of time, then we'll just close after this week. But uh, here we go, and uh, hopefully we'll be back very shortly. What is at eye level? A reductio ad absurdum look at the headlines, from politics to pop culture, from the corporate to the individual. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we take a not-so-serious look at the serious issues of the day. Whether it's politics, economics, social issues, music, or old movies and TV shows, we discuss everything the corporate media overlooks while making you laugh at the absurdity of it all. Hell, you've got to have a sense of humor about life. Just look at the headlines. So join me, Matt G. And me, Doc Savage. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern as we navigate the sea of trolls, talking points, and trickery. We try to figure out a way to be there when tomorrow comes. At eye level, bringing more to you. Only on the Big Papa Network, on Blog Talk Radio.
Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Join us for Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine, your essential guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Drop in for a spell with Doc Savage and Lois Paul and myself. Discuss with me love, the hating, the weird, and the wonderful world of cult films, music, television, and more. We'll be covering classic films, shows, musicians, and literature of the past, with an eye towards what new visions may still arise from the soullessly derivative mire of our modern age. Tune in, turn on, and take a step outside the mainstream as we dig deep into the rich vein of cult cinema, music, and television, right here on Weird Seats Inside the Gold Mine. Only here on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. Join us on Tuesday nights at 6.30 Eastern for an exploration of the many roads and methods which promise to lead us to the ultimate answer, a higher purpose, the meaning of life. I'm just like a lot of you, a middle-aged mom with piles of laundry and a meditation practice. I've been down many roads to get where I am today, and my journey is far from finished. But I'd like to share my experience and hard-earned wisdom with you. So what is it about women and spirituality? It seems like we're always the first to try out something new. Christianity was spread in large part by wealthy women. And where would Uncle Al be without his scarlet women? Who is by and far the largest audience of New Age alternative spirituality? What is it about us that always has us seeking? And why does it always seem that men tend to take over what we discover? Join us for a dialogue between two long-lost friends representing both the yin and yang aspects of the whole, each of whom have traveled multifarious paths all across the spectrum of spirituality, the dark side and the light, from the organized to the out of the way. This show is for all those frustrated in their quest who've been through various thoughts on the spectrum of spirituality and found them ultimately unfulfilling. Join us for some hard-earned lessons and thoughts on potential new directions and possible value in what inevitably fails in organized practice, but which may have some merit to the solo practitioner and fellow seekers of truth in this journey towards life. Moving towards life. Lessons in life and spirituality from an unconventional seeker. Bringing more to you only here on the Big Papa Online Network. On Blog Talk Radio. Okay, well, it looks like uh, John may not be able to come back here. I know she said she had something going on with lightning down by her, uh, so it may have <laughs> knocked out her phones for the evening. Um, but in any case, I think we've kind of uh, wrapped this one up, uh, put a bow on it, if you will. Uh, the bottom line is just keep uh, expressing your spiritual um, – let's say exercising your spiritual muscles – and always keep moving towards light. Uh, the darkness is a kind of limited pathway, and it inevitably leads to destruction. Uh, just from speaking from personal experience, if nothing else. <laughs> so uh, keep moving towards light, and we will see you hopefully next Wednesday uh, at 6:30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, have a good week, everyone. Mm-hmm.